Well, let me invite you to turn once again to John chapter 17. We're going to continue along with our series entitled Jesus Praise. And of course, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about this morning. It's this whole issue of, of prayer. Uh, I have said over the years that I don't believe I've ever heard a message on prayer, read a book on prayer, heard somebody talk about prayer that I wasn't convicted right down to the depths of my soul that I simply don't pray as I should. Uh, and I hope that's what you'll walk out of here feeling like today. <laughs> convicted that you need to pray better because we do. Uh, and there's so much in scripture, including this wonderful passage here in John 17, that uh, again, not only is a guide for us, a model of prayer, but as we have said, both Neil and I have mentioned this over the last several weeks, uh, this is not so much an instruction manual on how to pray. Uh, what Jesus is doing here is he is showing us uh, his heart, perhaps we could even say the heart of prayer. He's, he's talking to the Father about things that matter to him, things that are of profound significance to him. And of course, all of this being said in the hearing, we presume, in the hearing of the disciples, uh, as they are making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, where again, he will bow and pray. And of course, we know in those, those stressful moments leading up to his arrest and crucifixion, he, he prays and sweats with great drops of blood. You know, it was just a very intense time uh, as Jesus looked forward to the cross. He knew what was coming. There was nothing that was going to catch him by surprise on this night. Uh, and yet as he prays, even though we began in the first few verses of this, speaking of the way Jesus prayed for himself, he very quickly begins to pray for his disciples, to pray for us. And I just kind of want that to, to, to settle in on us for a moment this morning. Jesus is heading to the cross. He knows the suffering uh, that he is about to endure for the sake, as the scripture says, of those whom the Father had given him. And it's not for himself that he prays in this moment. Not, not mainly. He prays for those that he's about to give his life for. And uh, again, what a, what a role model for us as we think about our prayer life as we think about the way that we live our lives and what should be at the forefront of our minds as we go about day-to-day -day life. Uh, you know, the reality is, though certainly not in any way like the Lord Jesus laid down his life for us on the cross, God has called all of us, dads, he's called us to lay down our lives for one another, to give ourselves wholeheartedly, sacrificially, even to the point of suffering and perhaps even dying for the sake of those that we love. And we ought to be able to do it with the same frame of mind that Jesus himself did. Praying all along in the face of that suffering that we've been called to. For those that we've been called to lay down our lives for. So, stand with me if you would. Let's just read. We're just going to read a couple of verses this morning. I think that will be enough for our time. John 17, verses 9 and 10, if you don't have a Bible, the words are here on the screen at the front of the sanctuary. Jesus says this in verse 9. He says, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. 
Let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful today for this prayer of Jesus. Thankful that you have included this wonderful passage of Scripture, this revelation of your own heart, your, your very character, your nature. Uh, Lord, this insight into the, uh, the, well, the depths of your heart as to what is truly important and what should be important to us. And, and so I pray, Father, that you would open our hearts and minds today. Lord, surely we want to, to be reminded of the importance of prayer of, of the, uh, the key role that prayer should pr play in our lives, Lord. Uh, but again, I, I pray, Father, that we would just get a further glimpse into the very heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that we would, from the depths of our soul, care about the things that he cared about, love the things that, that he loves. Lord, uh, pray for those that he himself is praying for. Uh, so again, help us to do that. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. First point is simply this. That Jesus is praying. We, we, we hear him praying. This verse actually says, as he, and again, these are words that he is speaking, we presume, even out loud, loud enough for those that were near him to hear, I am praying for them. Can you imagine what it must have been like for the disciples as they left the upper room? And of course, there was some, you know, confusion, I'm sure. They, they had not yet fully grasped what was about to happen to Jesus and what it was going to mean for them. Uh, but they had to get some sense of, of the, the, the troubling nature of what was before him. And, and again, certainly by the time they got to the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, it had to be very much uh, aware. They had to be very much aware of it. But nonetheless, they're listening to their Lord and Savior pray. And he, and he suddenly says this, I am, I am praying for them. Now, here's the thing, church. It shouldn't surprise any of us, and, and I don't think that it does, uh, to hear that Jesus is praying for us. I mean, we all believe that, right? We believe that Jesus prays for us. But what I hope will kind of take hold of our hearts today is the significance of that. Uh, Jesus is the creator and sustainer of our universe, right? I mean, everything around us is functioning the way it functions. It's holding together the way it holds together. It's, it's moving throughout space. And I mean, all, all that's going on all around us with the precision that it operates, again, is all because of his sustaining efforts to do that. In other words, Jesus is a busy guy. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, you know, we have busy people in our world today, important people, people who, who have to function at high levels of, of, of responsibility, and, and they are people who are often hard to get a hold of. Uh, they don't have much time for just anybody, only time for people that they really need to spend time with. And, and, and of course, nobody more important, nobody more significant, nobody involved in a more profound work than, than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet, here in this moment, He prays for us. He prays for us. And, and how that should just encourage us, how, how it should sustain us through the difficult moments of our life, again, shouldn't be a surprise to us, but such a great comfort for us as the people of God to know that our Lord and Savior 
is praying for us. And here's the thing. We, we sang about it all morning long. No matter what difficulty, no matter what struggle, no matter what hardship we may be having to endure, no matter what difficult thing we may be going through, Jesus knows. He cares. And he prays. I'm, I'm praying for them, he says. Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome. Again, well, you'll, you'll understand. He, he, he simply says this, who is to condemn? You ever feel condemned? You ever feel worthless? You ever feel like, you know, I, I'm just a nobody. I'm not important. Nobody really knows me. Nobody really, and if they, if they knew me, they wouldn't want to. Paul says, who's to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died, and more than that was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. Let me tell you, when you begin to feel alone, unimportant, uh, unloved, remember that. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, the place of all power and authority, the highest position that anybody could be exalted to. And he's praying for us. He is not so involved in keeping the world spinning in its orbit and all of the various universes that are out there and uh, solar systems and planets. He's not so interested in all of that that he doesn't have time to, to think of you. He's thinking of you. He, he knows what you're going through. He's praying for you. So we need to, to be comforted by that and strengthened by that, encouraged by that. We can face whatever trouble comes our way. We can go through those difficult times, whether it's for hours or days or weeks or months or perhaps years. We can face anything that comes our way because Jesus is praying for us. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And here's the question you've got to always remember to ask yourself. Do the prayers of Jesus get heard? You know, I think sometimes we, we, that's a big debate, right, in the church. Do, 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 do all prayers, get, does God hear everybody when they pray? Well, we'll wait on that one, but let me ask you this. Does God hear Jesus when he prays? And he's praying for you. And do you think God answers the prayers of Jesus? You bet he does. So what courage that should give us? What comfort that should give us today? You know, again, having my grandchildren in the house last night, and of course conversations always come up about, you know, the current things that are going on in our world with school and education and, you know, the, the technology. And what, what's the world going to be like 40 years from now when my grandchildren are, are grown, when they're, when they're perhaps parents taking care of their own children? What kind of world is it going to be? And let me tell you, for somebody who's been around in this world long enough and seen the changes that have taken place over the 65 years of my life, it's a little bit frightening. But you know what hasn't changed? God's love for us. God's love for our children. You know, I've actually heard people say that they're, they're considering or perhaps they've chosen not to have children because we just don't want to bring children into this terrible world in which we live. Don't think like that. This world is a world that God made. And this world is a world that's still sustained by the power of God. We can trust God with the future, can't we? We can trust God with the lives and with the care, with the upbringing of our children and grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. You know, the reality is there's, there's going to come a day when some of us aren't going to be around anymore. But God will always be around. Jesus is praying 
for us. Jesus told Peter this in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. He said, Peter, Satan has demanded you. Can you imagine? Satan has demanded you. I, I can't imagine Satan making demands, but he, he did. Satan has demanded you that he might sift you like wheat. Let me tell you, I don't know exactly what that means, but it isn't good. <laughs> Satan wanted to do bad things to Peter. He didn't want to bless Peter. He, didn't, he wanted to destroy Peter. He wanted to destroy his reputation. He wanted to hurt him. Satan has demanded you. He wants to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Wow, can you imagine what that must have felt like in that moment for Peter to hear? I mean, he was sitting right there in front of Jesus. To hear Jesus say those words, Peter, I've, I've prayed for you. You have an enemy out there that wants to do you harm. And I've prayed for you. And this is what I've prayed. I've prayed that your faith may not fail. And then he says, and when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knows the difficulties that we face. He knows our fears. He knows that we don't know what's coming down the road the next day, the next month, the next year. He knows that we don't know that. We have no way of knowing that. But what we do know, it is... As long as there's a today, today will be the day of salvation. Today, Jesus will be praying for you. I'm praying for them. And of course, dads, you know, as I, as I thought about this message, you know, I, we rarely break away from whatever series we're in to, to, to do a, a special message, to, you know, for the day that it happens to be, and of course being Father's Day, we didn't have to break away. Let me tell you, this is, a, this is a sermon that applies to every father in this building, every father that's listening. We must be men of prayer. I mean, it's just that simple. And we've got to do a better job of praying than we do. And we've got to put others first. You know, I think so often prayers are made up of our own wants and desires. We're praying for the things that we want. Do this for me. Do that for me. Prepare the way for me. Even prayers that I think we should pray. Give me wisdom. Give me knowledge. But Jesus makes it absolutely clear that he was praying for others. I mean, on his way to the cross... And he's praying for them. He's praying for us. Our families, dads, need to know that we're men of prayer. They need to see us pray. They need to hear us pray. We need to pray. So it shouldn't be hard to apply this principle to our, our lives as, as fathers, as husbands. And then I want you to notice the priority of Jesus' prayer. He says, I'm praying for them. And then notice this. This is, a, this is a tough verse for many people. He says, I'm not praying for the world, but for those that you have given me. I'm not praying for the world, but for those that you have given me. Now, we know that God loves the world, right? I mean, John 3.16 tells us that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting Life. We, we know that there is a sense in which God loves the whole world, but Jesus makes it clear here that he has a priority to his prayer life. And again, in this most significant of moments, he says it right out loud. I'm not praying for the world, 
but for those whom you have given me. Jesus' prayer is for his people. For those whom the Father had given him. You know, and this is a theme, or at least a principle that we see throughout Scripture. In Deuteronomy 32, 9 and 10, Moses writes these words. He says, but the Lord's portion, again, the Lord's treasure, the Lord's most valued possession is his people. The Lord's portion is his people. Now again, you think about that. The earth is the Lord's, the scripture says, right? And all that is contained in it. The cattle on a thousand hills are the Lord. You know, we live in a world when people value wealth. And as a matter of fact, most people think that if they could just get their hands on enough money, they'd be happy forever. Of course, we know from the examples of those who do get their hands on money, that it often doesn't lead to the happiness forever that they were hoping. But our God owns everything. I mean, he's the wealthiest, wealthiest person we know. Uh, it, it all belongs to him. But what is his portion? What is his treasure? Well, it's his, his people. Church, it's us. Again, let that sink in for just a minute. It's not the beautiful mountains that he can go and escape to and find solace and beauty. I mean, it's not that. It's not the beautiful rivers and oceans and lakes. It's not the variety of trees and flowers and birds and animals. It's not, not that. It's people. His people. His portion. His people. Moses goes on to say he found them. He found his people. His people weren't looking for him. He, he found them. He encircled them. Again, this idea of hedging them in for their protection and their care. He, he encircled them. He cared for them. He kept them. And then he says this, as the apple of his eye. You know, it would be easy for me to look at my grandson this morning and say, wow, apple of my eye. Look at my daughter down here. God looks at you and says that. They're the apple of my eye. That's the, the love that God extends to you. That's why Jesus is praying for you. You're the apple of God's eye. You're the priority of his prayer life. So Jesus is praying for us today because we're the apple of his eye. We're his people. We're the people that God has given to him. And he prays for us. And dads, of course, there is so much for us to pray about. Again, when we think of world events and all that's going on in the news today, and of course, even what the scripture simply tells us to pray about. There's lots to pray about but our priority in prayer should always be for those that the Lord has given us, for our own, for our people. Our, our wife, our children, our grandchildren, our church. That should be our priority. Are, are, there, are there bigger issues out there, issues that are 
important? Sure there are. We ought to be praying for things like peace in the world and provision for people who are starving in various parts of the world. We ought to do whatever we can to help those people. But what we learn here is that our priority should be for our people. They should be our priority. Praying for them should consume the majority of our time. Our thought life should be focused most of the time on them. They're the ones that God has given to us, entrusted to our care. So we need to pray for those that are ours. Again, just as I said a moment ago, there's certainly a sense in which God loves and cares for the world at large. I mean, Psalm 145.9 says this, The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. So don't, don't think for a moment that God doesn't care for all of creation. He does. And so should we. But His priority is on His people. Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and 45, Jesus said this. He said, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So yes, there is a time and an appropriate instances when we pray for our enemies and those that persecute us. Yeah, we do that. And we do that, Jesus says, so that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven. And what he means by that is so that, so that you can reflect in your prayers the nature of God, the heart of God. God cares about these people, so should you. Jesus said, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. So, dads, there's a time to pray for the world, even for those that are enemies of the gospel. To pray for those in positions of authority, as the scripture tells us to. For kings, for leaders who may not have any interest whatsoever in honoring God with their lives and their leadership. We should, we should pray for them. Should even pray for our enemies, but prioritize your family. And then Jesus gives us a couple of reasons why he prays the way he does. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me for or because they are yours. I mean, how simple is that? I'm praying for these people. I'm praying for my disciples. I'm praying for those who are accompanying me even this moment on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm praying for them because they're yours. They belong to you. Now think about that for a minute. Jesus is praying for us because we belong to God the Father. We're His. We're His. Jesus cares about us. Jesus is interested in us. Jesus loves us because we belong to the Father. We're His. Jesus loves and cares about, is interested in the things that God, the Father, loves and cares and is interested in. It's a motivation for Him to pray. He gives this reason. This is why I'm praying. We belong to God. These people belong to you, God. That's why I'm praying for them. They are yours. And then he says something that, again, all of us can kind of say amen to. He says, all mine are yours. And, I mean, we can agree with that, right? Everything that we have belongs to God. All mine, Father, is yours. Whatever you have entrusted to me, whatever I would call my own, in reality, all of these things are really yours. I know I've shared this story once. I'll share it again this morning. When my son Aaron was a little boy, we were coming home one day and I had 
conducted a funeral that day, and we were talking about that, and he was asking me questions, and he, he, he got this look on his face, and he said, Dad, he said, if, if something were to happen to me, if I were to die, he said, what would happen to all my stuff? And I said, well, Aaron, what stuff are you talking about? And he said, well, you know, my, all my stuff, my stuff. And I said, I said, you don't have any stuff. And he said, yeah, you know, and he started a little bit more specific, you know, my, my stuff, my things. And I said, well, Aaron, I said, those are not your things. I said, those are my things. I just let you use them. And that's the attitude we need to have about our stuff, church. It's not our stuff. It's not our kids. It's not our grandkids. They belong to the Lord. Jesus was motivated to pray for us because we belong to God. God created us. He created us in His image. We're important to Him. Again, He is interested in us. Think about that for a moment. The God of the universe is interested in you. And not just in you in some general way, but in you specifically. He created you for a purpose. God has a divine plan for your life. He has works that He has prepared for you to walk in. I mean, the Old Testament goes so far as to say God knows the number of hairs on your head. That's, that's being pretty interested, intimately so. So we belong to God first and foremost because He made us. And then, of course, we belong to Him because He redeemed us, right? The Bible says we've been bought with a price. We're not our own. We don't belong to ourselves, and those that we call ours don't belong to us either. They belong to God, and we ought to pray for them because of that. Jesus loves us because God the Father loves us. Jesus values us because God values us. Did you, did you know that God values you? You are of value. You are precious to God. All of you. Not just when you're little children. You know, we sing that little song, you know. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight, right? Well, that's true. But it's not just for children. Because what are we, church? We're, we're God's children, right? We're his children. He values us. Jesus, like God the Father, is interested in every aspect of our lives. He knows that we're not here just to live some random, come-as-it-may life. We're to live life as He lived life, loving our Heavenly Father, obeying our Heavenly Father, bringing honor and glory to our Heavenly Father. And He knows that in order for that to happen the way that it's supposed to happen, it's going to mean we need prayer. So He prays for us. And so I would just say this, Dad, your wife, your children, they belong to God. Why should you pray for them? Well, because they belong to God. They're not really yours. God has entrusted them to your care. Yes, you are to protect them. You are to provide for them. Yes, and you're to pray for them because they belong to Him. You should love them because God loves them. And you know, that's just a principle straight across the board, right? We as Christian men and women ought to love what God loves. God loves his people. Pray for them, Dad. Your family should be precious to you because they're precious to God. You know, I, we live in a, in a world where so much of the approval that we receive, the acclaim that we receive, 
comes as a result of our earning it, right? We demonstrate that we are a certain type of person capable of certain things and, and we receive approval and acclaim and, and, and affirmation because of those things that we are able to accomplish. Let me tell you, that's not why God loves you. God loves you simply because of who you are. And dads, we need to love our kids, our families, our wives, just because of who they are. They belong to God. They're, they're His. They're precious to Him, valuable beyond anything. They're the apple of His eye. They ought to be the apple of your eye. And then we should simply pray for them because Jesus is praying for them. Paul said, hey, church, be imitators of me as I seek to be an imitator of Jesus. Well, we know that Jesus prays for us, right? Paul says that he's always interceding for us. So if we're going to imitate Jesus, then we ought to be a people who pray. And that ought to be all the reason we need, dads. Pray for your family because Jesus is praying for them. Pray for your children. Pray that they'll grow up to be all that God intends for them to be. Pray that they'll grow up to the, that God will open their eyes to see the beauty of the gospel and the, and the value of knowing Christ as Savior and Lord. Pray for your children. Pray for those days in their lives when you won't be there to grab their hand or touch their head and say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Pray for them now. Jesus is praying for them. We should pray for them. That's the, the yeah, what greater motivation could we possibly need than that? And then finally, Jesus says this. He gives us another reason here. Not only is he praying for us because we belong to God and, and as a result of that, we belong to him. All, that, all mine are yours. All yours are mine. And I'm glorified in them. And we've already talked about what it means to, to glorify God. To glorify God means to, that we live in such a way, we speak in such a way, we conduct ourselves in such a way that our lives reveal the character and nature of God. We want people to see Jesus in us, and Jesus knows that. And so he is praying that the world would see him through his people. I'm glorified in them. He knew that once he left this world, it wasn't going to be long. The only way people could really see Jesus would be to see Jesus through his people. So he prays for us. I'm glorified in them. The world is going to see me, my character, my nature, my love, my mercy, my grace revealed in them. There is a sense in which as Christians we should bear our family resemblance, right? People ought to be able to see our Heavenly Father in us. They ought to know by the way that we live, the way that we make our living, the way that we work, the way that we raise our families, the way that we love our wives, the way that we lay down our lives for one another, the way that we serve our church. They ought to know the way that we drive our cars. They ought to know something different about those people. I may not be able to pinpoint it exactly. There ought to be a sense in which the world sees the family resemblance in us. And of course, we want that to be true in our children and grandchildren, right? I mean, from the moment they're born, we start talking about who they look like, whose eyes they have. Well, yeah, he got grandma's eyes, but he's got grandpa's ears. 
He looks like them. He looks like them. He, he, that's what we do. We see ourselves. We see our family in these children. And, and, and that's just what we see on the outside. What Jesus is talking about here is what people will see that comes from the inside. So what we want people to see when they see our children and our grandchildren, yeah, that's all right. We want, we want them to say, hey, that's, that's, that's Brother James's kid. We also want them to say, that's a godly young man. We want them to see God in our family. That's the, the primary family resemblance that we want them to see. Dads, we need to pray. First of all, that your wife and your children will see God in you. I mean, how important is that? If you want to show them how to live for the Lord, you've got to show them how to live for the Lord. You've got to live for the Lord. They need to see you living for the Lord. They need to see Jesus in you. And then they need to see you praying and hear you praying that the world will always see Jesus in them. I'm glorified in them. God's presence, the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ is wrapped up in us now. We're the temple, right? We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, if people are going to see Jesus, they're going to see Jesus in us. And we need to pray that they will continue to see Jesus as the years go by in our children and in our grandchildren. So men, ladies, pray. Leave here this morning determined to do a better job of praying for your family, of prioritizing your family in everything that you do. Be motivated to pray simply because these that God has entrusted to you belong to Him. They're His. So that the world will see Jesus in all of us.